good day to be here, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Don't go far. I need Louie and Pastor Chase to come on up here. Come on. It is Pastor Appreciation Month and it's almost over. And so uh, on behalf of our board, we just wanted to give you guys a, a thank you card. It's just a thank you card. Don't get excited. Amen. Um, but Pastor John's been here 11 years. Pastor Chase, 11 months. No, 10 years. And you've been on, he works a full-time job, but he also runs our kids' ministries now in his training. So you yeah, a couple of months of doing that. Been here about five, six years. Um, radically saved, called to kids' ministries, which it's easier to lead kids than it is adults. I will tell you that. <laughs> I was a kid's pastor. I know that. Just wait. So some of you pastor your church, you wish you were in kids' ministries. No. Uh, but anyway, just want to say thank you guys and just love having our staff and they're an amazing group of people. And thank you again for all you've done. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. All right. The kids, you may follow Louie to kids church, first to sixth grade, and uh, it's going to be fun today, and uh, hey, I, I preached short again, first service, I don't know what my problem is lately, um, but uh, I thought I was going to be long, and I wasn't, and so uh, anyways, hey, if you didn't see my Facebook post, I, I, I threw a little teaser out there, and I actually got a text message from a good pastor friend of mine saying, what are you announcing? I mean, it was within minutes, I don't know if you saw that, um, so my exciting news that I was announcing is I got a new outfit. You like it? Yeah, yeah. My wife likes it. She bought it. I told her to go buy me some new clothes, and she did. And uh, I didn't say where to buy them, but she bought them at a very good place, and they're very comfortable. Uh, we'll leave it at that. But as long as she thinks I look good, that's all that matters, because I got a model of them for her last night. Um, I, I did do, if you've ever seen Nacho Libre, you've seen Nacho Libre, I did his pose against the bedpost, and... <laughs> It kind of grossed her out, but um, it had the reverse effect. She's like, yeah, don't pose like that. I was like, it's off a movie, babe. Um, welcome to my romance. Uh, but anyways, no, the good news, I got two really good, exciting things that we're, we're doing. And the number one, I told you a week or two ago, um, I was like, I can't remember because I'm almost 50 now, um, that uh, if there was last Sunday, the Sunday before, the, uh, the chance of paying our building off could happen. Well, it's going to. So that's a 100% thing. Um, so our, yeah, we get to pay that off uh, this week or the next. And so that's a for sure thing we found out this last Friday. So that's really exciting. Um, and then the other thing is really cool is we actually are going to add some staff members uh, to our church staff. Uh, Pastor Stevie and Kristen Nix, they're in LA right now, but, but she grew up with Chris. Um, I should say grew up. She was in diapers when Chris was an adult, um, as was Pastor Chase when we were at our first youth pastor. Pastor Chase was actually in the nursery and now he's on full-time staff. And then we get to bring Pastor Stevie and Kristen up. Uh, they're moving from LA. That's not where they're from, but through the church down there. Um, and so uh, the reason we're doing is we have, we've had some staff, we've had three staff that have uh, stepped down in the last couple of years, so we have a lot of cracks to fill. Um, and so they, they have some expertise in some areas, so they're going to be up here in a couple of weeks. Excited about that and joining our pastoral team. Um, and, and I've told you, I think, last week that when I came onto the, the facility a couple of weeks ago, I drove in here and, and God spoke something to me and he just said, time to dream again. And that was big for me because we've been in this, this building here 13 years. We've been at the church 23 uh, years. It would be November 3rd, I believe. And, um, and we have a plan for a new building out there for the, the facility. We've built, we built this to be in it for about three years. And I told you it's been 13. 
We've kind of over, overstayed our welcome. Um, first service this morning, we're on, online. We need another facility. And so I'm excited uh, with getting the building paid off that we can now set our sights on building the new sanctuary. Uh, met with the builder this week, and so we're going to see what we can do when we can start that. It won't be right away because the two by four costs about 280 bucks right now. All right, if you didn't know what build, building is, it's not, I was exaggerating. So, <laughs> some of you who don't know me, I joke quite a bit, all right, just so you know. All right, but I'm excited about that. Um, 2021 is going to be a good year for us. I really feel in my heart um, that God spoke another thing to me. This was very clear. There's sometimes I'll say, I'm not quite sure if it was God, but I know that this was, and it was prepare for transition. Prepare for transition that we're going to see something happen in our church family um, that we're going to be amazed at. And so I'm excited about this year. As bad as, again, as 2020 was, I think 2021 is going to be that much better. Amen? <laughs> I would say it can't get any worse, but I don't say things like that. All right. But uh, anyways, I got just great hopes for the future. So we're, I'm excited about what, what God is doing in us. All right, well, let's jump into this. Uh, we're in a series called When Tendencies Take Over. When Tendencies Take Over. We all have these tendencies. Uh, several years ago, my family uh, was blessed by a lady in the church who had a timeshare at Bear Lake. And so she said, hey, why don't you go stay at our timeshare? So we got in our minivan and I picked up about 25 bungee cords. Um, if you've been here a long time, you know that I pick stuff up off the road all the time. I'm always just scanning the road. I found a cell phone uh, a couple months back, uh, belonged to some teacher. It was locked in. I put it on my desk and I was trying to Facebook the, the text messages that were popping up. Figured out she was a school teacher. Uh, finally, her husband called. True story. He was really surprised that a man's voice answered his wife's phone. I said, hello, it's a stand. He's like, who is this? <laughs> he was like, I'm going to come and kill you. Where are you. I was like, I know I found it on the road and everything's cool. He came and met me. Um, and uh, so anyhow, so we were, we're driving down the road in our minivan. I did have to put new brakes on it after the trip because I, I don't think bungee cords are worth that much, but they were to me. So you learn something. But as we were driving, we saw the sign that said, welcome to Wyoming. The problem is Bear Lake's in Utah. All right. And, and I'm like, Wyoming? I want to talk to you today about unexpected destinations, about arriving in places that you never saw coming, never saw coming. Some of you have moved to Idaho and you didn't even know where Idaho was, okay? Uh, I, I did, we're talking to Chris yesterday, I'll be 50 in a month. I moved to Idaho when I was a teenager. That sounds like a long time ago, which it was, right? We moved here when, when Idaho was a place that people didn't even know that Idaho existed. I mean, back, anybody lived here? Like, they didn't even know, they're like, Iowa? No, Idaho, it's, it's way up yonder. Uh, now it's a cool place to live because it is a cool place. Man, we love living here. So, unexpected destinations. Jesus knew his destination. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. Um, he had this appointment with somebody. Um, and we, we left off last week when Jesus was in the boat. He said, let's go to the other side. He, he said, the destination is already set. We're going to make it. Storm comes. The guys freak out. Jesus is sleeping. Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves. Everything calms down. And then they're, they're even more scared. But Jesus had a, a destination to go to. And what I told you last week is that when, when you're in the boat with Jesus, you're not going to drown in the lake. Okay, there's, there's a, a, a plan that God has for your life, and you've got to pursue that plan. But when you're with Christ, okay, it, it didn't end in a drowning. It ended at the cross. As a matter of fact, it didn't even end at the cross. It ended at an empty tomb. As a matter of fact, it didn't even end at an empty tomb. It's going to end pretty quick, and then eternity is going to happen forever. And if you're saved, you get to be in eternity with Jesus forever, with no problems, no pain, no addictions, no family fights. Isn't that nice to think about that? You're like, Lord, take me now, All right? 
Let's get into this. Jesus knew his destination. He had an appointment with a demon-possessed guy. And it's a crazy story. If you've never heard this story, um, it's, it's kind, of, kind of an awesome story that happens. So he's got this appointment with a demon-possessed guy. I don't know how many of you have made appointments recently, but if you call the doctor for an appointment, they ask you questions. Do you have any symptoms of COVID? Do you, are you sniffling? Do you have a cough? Do you have this? Are you human? If you're human, you don't qualify to come into a doctor appointment because you might be sick. Can you imagine calling the doctor and say, hey, I, need an, I have an appointment for my son. What symptoms does he have? Oh, he's demon-possessed. <laughs> he beats everybody up he comes into contact with. That, that's what this appointment is. Only the disciples don't know what the appointment is. Jesus does. So when you're serving Jesus, the storm isn't going to stop you from getting to your destination. Okay? It might hinder you. It might not be fun, but it won't stop you. You might be on a journey right now and you're wondering what in the world is going on. I don't understand it. I don't like it. This is crazy. But as long as you're going toward God, God is not going to let you drown. You might feel like it, but he's not going to let you. And Jesus left the crowds to deal with an individual, the important story, to free a guy who was bound up. Let's get into the story. I'm going to read the story to you and then we'll go back and kind of dissect some of the important things out of it. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I want you to picture this. This area is, is on a lake. You know how sound travels across lakes? These fishermen would have known about this guy. For a night and day, he would scream and he would cry and the sound would resonate down across the waters and freak people out. You've seen Lord of the Rings? When Gollum loses his ring and he says, precious is lost and it echoes through the caverns. Okay, I want you to picture this guy with evil voices screaming and crying out. This is something that these people knew who he was. And like, we need to stay away from this guy. This guy is crazy. So when you picture him coming and he's going to come and run before Jesus, night and day he was crying in the tombs. He was hairy. He was dirty. He was bloody. I mean, he was a mess. He was naked. And he's going to come running to Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, it says from verse 6, from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice. I really, really wanted to yell this out and sound scary, so I'm just going to do this. What do you want with me, Jesus? I mean, it wasn't like, hey, Jesus, what do you want with me? It was a deep growl, demonic, what do you want with me, Jesus, the most high son of God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus was saying to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion. It's just, it's, it's almost like Batman. Yeah. You ever seen Batman? Which one? Okay, there's a billion of them. He talks like this. <laughs> All right. My name is Legion. It's, it's, it's evil. Again, I'm not going to sugarcoat what really happened here because I could say it in my voice, but I don't want you to equate my voice with the sound of a demon. So I have to change it. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Here's where it gets weird. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged, I want you to picture green rolling hills, 2,000 pigs just feeding along. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out 
and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. If you have any questions about can animals be demon-possessed, the question is yes. Do you have a cat? (laughs) Amen. That's all I got to say, all right? I don't believe animals can be demon-possessed without the Lord allowing it, but I don't know. So I'm not even going to talk about this because this isn't my degree. It's not in this because this is really weird. But pigs were allowed, or the demons were allowed to go into the pigs, and then the pigs ran down and died. Now, I can understand if the pigs were still alive, right? They get to roam around and talk and do weird things, but then the pigs died, and you go, okay, where did the demons go after that, and why did they have to go into between? It's just confusing, but that is not what I'm preaching about today, so just forget it. Let's move on. I don't know. It's just a weird story. But what we do know is it happened. They went into the pigs, pigs down, drowned, and then the demons were free. So those tending the pigs, they ran off and reported it to the town and countryside. This is verse 14. And the people went out to see what had happened, because this is kind of a weird thing. They came to Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. This would be a shocker, because this guy was known. Everybody knew him. They, they see him sitting there in his right mind, and then they were afraid. I'm like, okay, what are you afraid of? The guy was crazy before, and now he's not, and you're afraid? Aren't we afraid of some weird things sometimes? He was sitting there and addressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Verse 17 is an odd one. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Isn't that amazing? The one who came to set people free is getting asked to leave. Happens a lot. As Jesus was getting into the boat, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, okay. You don't want me, I'm not gonna force myself upon you. He gets into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. He said, you go home to your family. You tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the people in the the Decapolis, which is 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. All right, let's talk about this. In verse one through five, uh, Matthew chapter eight tells us that there were actually two demon-possessed guys. Mark is focusing on this one guy, uh, probably because of how it all ends. Uh, and it says that people wouldn't go near those tombs because of the violence. So these guys would just beat people up uh, if you came near. They, they stayed away. They had a reputation. Now, this man here, we don't know his name. We know the demon's name, the name of Legion, but we never figured out what his name was. So we'll just call him a guy. This guy obviously had made some choices that led him to a place that he never thought he would be. And this is a tendency that we have to fight, is to make choices not recognizing where it leads. Making choices to say that sarcastic comment or that negative comment that leads to a, a fight, that leads to something that we never really thought it would lead to, but it did. How many of us have made choices that led to a place that we never thought we would be. Um, if you're new to our church, I, I was a volunteer with Ada County Sheriff's Office for about 12 years. Um, and one of my most memorable calls uh, came right after a Sunday morning. Um, I was actually driving home and heard on the radio there was a, a rollover at Swan Falls Road. So I, I took off down there. Um, was one of the first ones there. And, and laying in the ditch was a woman and there was a rollover, an SUV had rolled over and ejected both passengers. Um, it broke her femur, it broke her back, it filleted her face. Like half of her face was just up and over so you could see the eye and the skull. And um, so I just put gloves on and I just stayed there with her till the medics got there. Life flight came in. Um, and she was intoxicated heavily, didn't know what happened and apologizing to her husband who had been ejected to the other side of the road. I mean, it was a serious, serious mess. Um, one bad decision can leave a lifetime of regret. It started out as a fishing trip. It started out with one alcoholic beverage, whatever it was, turned into more. 
it, it was a bad decision that had devastating consequences, okay? I tell you that to say that you need to understand where your choices lead you. You need to understand where your choices lead you. That you can just say, well, it's just one beer, it's just one, but, but one will turn into two, two will turn into three. And I think most of you know my stand on alcohol. I just choose not to. I've seen the devastation. Okay, we, we host here when COVID's not here, AA twice a, month, twice a week. Um, so you know my stand on that. I don't judge you if you do, but what I tell people is that I've seen the devastating effects of alcohol. So my suggestion is just stay away from it because you, you can't get addicted to something you never do. Amen? If it's, again, I, I take a biblical stand on it. Right? The Bible says don't get drunk. The Bible says that if, if it's between you and God in your home, then I'm not gonna preach against that. But what I, what I do tell you is if you don't start, you never have to stop. You never stop. That's just my personal stance, okay? I'm not being judgy here. Anybody feel judgy? I'm looking to see who. Yeah, nobody's raising their hand. Like, I don't want him to know. Um, I see you in Paul's. If I see you in a, in, in a cart and you got something, you're gonna turn the other direction, I'm gonna chase you down. I'll give you love, give you a handshake. No normal person has divorce court in mind when saying their wedding vows. No normal person. When they come up and do a wedding vows, it's, this is for life, this is for good, this is for good. We've done enough weddings to know that nobody has these reservations of, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, we'll just go to the divorce court. That's, that's not what I hear up here. I hear this promise of undevoted love and, and, and good and the bad and rich or poor. When everything's good, when everything's bad, we're just gonna love each other. And then a month later, I get the call. What did I do? <laughs> like, like you signed, why did you sign my marriage certificate? Why didn't you stop me? I've stopped one wedding. I did. I stopped one wedding. I said, I ain't doing it because I can't even tell you the situation that you all want to know. I'll tell you sometime when we're not being recorded. <laughs> now, tell you something. It, has, it had to do with alcohol. There was, there was some serious relapse and promises that weren't kept. And he was an alcoholic, and I'll, I'll tell you, he was an alcoholic, and, and he, he relapsed, and at the wedding, he was plastered, calling her a B word and everything, and I said, nope, I'm not doing it, I'm not done. So if you want me to do your wedding, behave, otherwise I'll stop it, all right? But I couldn't in good conscience keep going. Back to the message, this guy's alive, but he's living amongst the dead, and this was not the life that God had planned for him. That was not what God's plan was, was for him to be in bondage. But somewhere along the line, this guy decided that he didn't want to live by the rules. He wanted to do his own things, his own way. And he thought that by doing his own things, his own way, there would be freedom. But what he found is he found himself in bondage. You see, look where he's at now. Chains could hold him. The power of the devil had grown stronger in his life. People that tried to chain him up that used to work, it didn't work anymore because more demons had piled in to this guy. And again, I don't understand how that works. But sin will always grow if you don't deal with it. You see, I believe that everybody needs a DWI. DWI means deal with it. Deal with it. Like, you need to deal with it. You need to deal with what it is that you're facing. He was as bound by sin as he could be, and he could not free himself. Now, he never thought this would happen to him. And nobody makes decisions early on in life to intentionally destroy themselves, but when you do, you wound up bound up. You ever been bound up by something that you never thought that's where it would lead, but it did? I was bound up by my brother one time when I uh, smarted off to him, one of the many times. And when mom and dad's not home and he's bigger than you, there's certain things they can do to you that you can't stop, such as being hogtied with a leather jump rope. Yeah? My brother did that. My brother Mike bound me up behind my back. I mean, he had me hogtied bad. And it was at the bottom of the stairs. He left me in the basement. 
just left me, just walked off, walked and just went and did his own thing. Then when he heard mom and dad pulling in, he would come down to untie me. And he said, if you say anything, I'm going to tell them about that thing you did that they don't know about, and you'll get beat. You ever have those things that you know about your siblings that you just use it as leverage? Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? Use them as leverage? And so I don't think my parents even knew that happened until I was an adult because the statute of limitations had, had came up. But I, but I smarted off. I wound up, bound up. But here's what I want to tell you. We need to remember that this was somebody's son, this guy. He was somebody's brother, somebody's childhood friend. He was a human. And I think we often see people like this as a product of bad choices and we forget that they're a person. We look at the outward and when we need to be looking at the inward. The truth is, is we are a product of our choices. We really are. Now, personally, I don't have a lot of sympathy for someone who doesn't make any effort to get out of the mess that they're in. Like if they don't want to get out, I don't feel sorry for them. If they're just, they're just like, nope, I'm a misery. I'm a miserable person. It's going to be this way. They can blame the world, but if they don't make any effort to get out of it, I don't give them a lot of sympathy. Are you with me on that? It's like, no, you, you want to stay stuck and you're going to be stay stuck. So if you don't want to get out, that's on you. And that's a phrase that you can take home today is if you don't want to, that's on you. Don't waste your time on people who want to stay stuck because it is a waste of time. They want to stay stuck. They're not looking to get out. They're not asking to get out. They're complaining about being in there, but they're not doing anything to get out of it. Don't waste your time on people who want to stay stuck. Give them to God and move on because you can't fix them. There are some of you today that you may have prodigals in your life and you've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, but they just want to stay where they're at. There's a point where you have to say, God, I'm just going to give them to you because this is killing me. It's killing me emotionally. It's killing me just physically. I'm stressed out. I'm just going to give them to you because they seem to be okay with staying stuck. And you can't fix them anyway. If you've been married more than 10 years, you understand that principle. You can't change them. How many of y'all have changed them? Like, how many of you changed your spouse? Now, you might have thrown a tantrum and got them to do what you wanted, but you didn't change them, right? We can't change people. Only Jesus can change people. Okay, Jesus even gave his disciples in the story he told, he said, go preach to these cities. Uh, He said, if they don't listen to you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. We can't force people to change. So there's a time when you have to go, okay, this person wants to stay stuck. I'm wasting my time trying to get them unstuck and I'm not the savior anyway. So I'm gonna give them to God. I'm gonna move on. Go spend your time mentoring somebody who wants to be fixed, okay? Somebody who, who says, no, tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me how to get out of this. Um, that's what God really wants from us. So this guy comes running to Jesus screaming. And this guy's got a history. Remember, he's got the screams that are echoing through the hills and the mountains and the tombs. This is a scary dude, and, and I get this picture where he's just running. He sees Jesus pull up in a boat. He's like, ah! And his disciples, I'm sure, got in front of Jesus and went, not on this watch. I don't think so. I think Peter went, ah, Jesus. That's what I think. I think Jesus standing there. Jesus, Jesus, you got this one. I think his disciples, if they're afraid of a storm, they're going to be afraid of a demon-possessed guy who they know has broken chains and beat lots of people up. And I think they just kind of stood back just a little. And Jesus just stands there. And this guy comes running because he knows who Jesus is. It's not that the man knows, it's that the demons know. And he falls on his knees before Jesus because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My thing is, is you better confess now while it actually makes a difference because the moment you die, your choice is sealed. And he asks this question, okay? He comes running to Jesus. He has a history. It doesn't say why he ran, but here's why I think he ran to him is I think he wanted out. 
I think he wanted out. I think he was so miserable. I think he knew that my choices got me here and I just want out. See, you won't get out until you want out. You won't get out of it till you want out of it. I get you to think about a prison escape. No one finds themselves outside on accident. Right? You don't find yourself out on prison and go, whoa, how did I get out here? <laughs> I fell in the food truck and here I am. That's not how it works. And here's what I understand is it doesn't take much planning to get into prison, but it sure takes some plans to get out of one. Amen? Amen? Okay, it take, you have to have a plan. And, and again, you can get in really easy, but no prison break has ever happened without a lot of thinking it through. In the same way in our lives, when we get bound up, it doesn't take much to get bound up, but it takes a plan to get out of it. And this guy comes running to Jesus and he asks this question, and it's, a, it's an important question. It says, what do you want with me, Jesus? You want to torture me? I want to pause there for a moment because that's a question we all need to be asking in a different way. Jesus what do you want from me? Because I'm willing to be and do whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do. Where in your life right now do you need to yield and ask that question? What do you want with me, Jesus? Some of you are in a time of just rest right now. It's like you might have been going and going and going and God says, you know, I just want you just to rest for a while. You ever played sports? You get stuck on the bench, not for doing wrong, but because the coach sees that you're tired. And I think God does that to us sometimes because he, he knows that you're not gonna stop. But he knows that if you're exhausted, you're not going to be very productive. And so he will put you on the bench to say, so you're not, you didn't do nothing wrong. I'm just, you need some rest because a good coach recognizes when his athletes are tired. And God is a good father. And he puts us on the bench at times just to give us, sometimes we get put in the penalty box. That's a different story. <laughs> like in hockey, it's like, no, penalty box. Why? Because you messed up. Anybody been in both? Like you've been in the time of rest? Don't, don't get confused as to which one is. Some of you think you're in the penalty box and you're really just on the bench resting because God knows what you need because of what's coming because God wants to use you. He asked the question, are you here to torture me? Are you here to torture me? And that is the world's view of Christianity. The world's view of Christianity thinks that, that Christianity is, is a bondage thing when they don't even realize that they're the ones that are held in captivity, right? The Christian is the one that's free. We're free from sin. But they're the ones that look at, oh, Christianity is just a bunch of rules and regulations. Well, I find that the rules and regulations are pretty easy and they're pretty beneficial if I live them. The blessing comes with that. And Jesus asks him a question in verse 9 and 10, and he asks him his name. He looks beyond what he sees and he asks the man his name. And again, we don't know what his name is, but the word legion comes out because the demons are answering there's no story on how this guy got here. There's nothing in the Bible that says, you know, and when this guy was 12, he made a really bad decision. You know, he decided to smoke a joint once and then it turned into opiates and, and then he made a whole mess out of his life. We don't know what he did, but it started out with some bad decisions as a kid. Maybe he was stealing something. We don't know what he was into, but what we do know is the results of his decisions and they were bad decisions that he made. And Jesus doesn't even point this out. There's no story on how he got there. You see, Jesus saw beyond what was, filthy, bloody, naked, a mess. And he asked the man his name. This is important for us to understand because Jesus didn't focus on the mess, he focused on the man. We're very, very good at focusing on the mess with people instead of focusing on the man side of it, or mankind is what I mean by when I say man. And I don't think God really cares about how you got into the place you're at. It doesn't say that Jesus set him down and had a really good lecture on good decisions and wise choices and why he is where he's at and he shouldn't have did this. And, and you know, Jesus probably could have told him what he did when he was 12. 
Jesus said, yeah, I saw you. I saw you did this. I saw you did this because Jesus knew a lot of stuff. And, and he never, ever addressed how the guy got there. What he addressed was, you're a human, and I love you. Do you want out? Isn't this cool? Because we so much focus, oftentimes, on the mess. How he got to this place was really irrelevant at this point because compassion was Jesus' thing. He spoke to the problem because he saw the potential. And I love that in the story. He, he spoke to the problem because he saw the potential. The problem was this guy was bound up and Jesus is basically like, do you want out? Do you want out of this? I want to tell you today that God does not give you a lecture on how you got to where you are. What God wants to know is do you want out of it? Do you want out of it? Jesus didn't focus on the symptoms, he focused on the problem. And we have a hard time seeing beyond the symptoms. Again, Jesus didn't lecture him. Jesus knew this guy's choices got him living amongst the dead. He never intended to live in the tombs. This guy never intended to live in the tombs. He never said, hey, I'm going to make some bad choices. I'm going to end up wild, crazy, demon-possessed, living in tombs, beating people up, and it's going to be great. There's so much freedom in this. And then they would chain him up and he, he would break the chains, which is, me, is impossible because your bone isn't as hard as steel and yet somehow the demonic forces could break chains. They couldn't even bind him anymore. He was so strong. So he was free on the outside but very bound on the inside. And I'll ask you this question. Is there anything right now that's just got you bound up? You might look good on the outside and maybe free on the outside, but inside there's something that's just holding you captive. What is it that you want God to do for you today? And that is to set you free if you're bound up in some things. I love it that Jesus didn't lecture him about it. He just wanted to know if the guy wanted out. See, we often make choices that in life lead us to places that we really don't want to be or unexpected destinations. And the question we must ask ourselves when we find we're in a place or situation or an argument that we don't want to be in is this, how did I get here and what do I do now? If you're married or maybe you've been married, have you ever gotten into an argument that... Actually, we don't, it changes life. We don't believe in arguing or fighting. We have tiffs. That's what we do. We tiff. We don't fight. Okay, there's churches down the road that they fight because I know the pastors and they fight, but we tiff here. We just have little spats. Okay, we don't fight. We're not allowed to fight. That's your pastor speaking. You're not allowed to fight, so don't do it. Y'all not listening to me. I need some amens out of this. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll do the marriage counseling, but... If I can tell you not to, just be obedient. Sheep quit biting each other. Uh, but you ever, you ever, you ever got into a, a, a tiff that turned into a fight? Yeah. It's like you get into something, you start going and going, and pretty soon you're like, Rah! like the crazy guy. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, how did it come to this? We, oh, we started arguing about that stupid little opinion way back here, and it just rabbit trailed into this big old explosion. If you're married, you understand what I'm talking about. Right? And it happens. And we have to control those emissions. So you've got to ask yourself this question. Okay, how did I get here? What, what caused me to be or what caused us to get into this big old argument when it was really nothing that was that big of a deal? And I think this guy probably had some of these moments in his sanity when he asked, how did I get here? How did it come to this? How did, how did I end up in a tomb? Because we see he had a family. We see he had a home. We see he had people in his life that loved him. And I think he came to his senses and went, what am I doing here? This, this isn't the freedom that I thought it was going to be, just doing my own thing. I, and I'm in bondage here and I'm miserable. And he did the only thing he knew to do. And it's, he ran to Jesus and the demons are talking, what do you want with us? But I think some of his humanness came out. Is, is Lord, please help me. 
I'm a mess. I want out of this thing because he would have ran the other direction had there not been a divine appointment. You see, Jesus left the crowds to focus on one man, to focus on one man. And we need to do the same. I'm here. Now what? What do I do? What did I do? What did I do? Now what do I do? You see, I'm responsible for my own emotions, which leads me to say, so own your emotions. Let me say it again. I'm responsible for my own emotions. That means I need to own my emotions. Isn't that hard to do sometimes? Because emotions are real, guys. They're real. They come out. It's our, usually our initial reaction. But we need to own the emotions. For me personally, I like to pray. I like to listen to worship music. I like to read the word of God. That helps me refocus and get my emotions back under control. But this guy ran to the only one who could do something about a situation. He ran to Jesus and not away from Jesus. You see, no one is so lost that they can't be found if they want to be found. And what I'm hoping to do today is if you feel like you've gone beyond help, if you've gone beyond hope, if you've gone beyond that point where how could God ever love me? I want you to think about this guy, the choices he made, the bad choices he made, the bad things he did, the, the state he was in, and yet Jesus had this mission to go rescue this man from the bondage that held him. I asked everybody in first service, I said, is anybody worse off than this guy? Have you been possessed by a legion of demons, which in this time, Romans, it was 2,200 men. <laughs> That's a lot of demons. 6,550 in time of war, that was a legion. So there's a lot of, have you, have you done, have you been demon-possessed severely? Have you beat people up? Have you ran around naked, bloody, and cutting yourself with rocks? Did, did, I, did I get any taste? Has anybody done worse than that? I didn't have anybody raise their hand for a service either. And even if you did, keep your hand down because people will look at you weird. Um, uh, this guy was so far away from God, and yet Jesus had, yeah, compassion because he was a man. He was a man. And Jesus was like, you want out of this? Because I'll, I'll set you free. And the man's like, Yeah. So don't ever think that your past will keep you from becoming what God wants you to be, okay? You put it under the blood. You might have to change some directions. There's some choices you make that will, hinder, that will stop you from, from becoming certain things, okay? Like if you're a felon, you probably can't become a police officer, okay? There's certain things, but God can redirect. He can reroute, and he can make you effective, and he can make you into something great. So the first step into being found is to admit that you're lost, now, men, we get a bad rap about not asking for directions, don't we? Don't we? Because we have a woman called Siri that tells us where to go all the time, all right? And why is it a woman's voice? My wife, she changed her phone one time to a guy from Australia. I thought it was too sexy, so I made her turn it back to the woman. Um, all right. She'd get this grin on her face when he talked to her. She was always getting lost for some reason. Um, that's just a joke, but she did have the Australian guy on there. That was free. First service didn't get that. That just came out. I scare myself sometimes when it comes out of my mouth. But you're laughing, so that's church. You should laugh, all right? So how will the story end? How will your story end? How will it end? This guy had a story. Blessed life, probably, when he grew up. He still has a family. Made some bad decisions. Got into this incredible bondage. Just a mess, Okay. This guy never saw the tombs coming. He never saw the demon possession coming. He never started out going, man, I just want to live in a tomb, be possessed by demons and be hated by everybody. I just, I want, that's what I want to be. Never thought that. And then one day, 
his life changed and he never saw that Jesus would come and set him free. Unexpected destinations. Because the rest of the story is really what this message is all about. See, verses 11 through 20, it says this, when he, he, Jesus was getting into the boat, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, key word here, had been demon-possessed. Jesus set him free. Some of you are still living as if the sin is still attached to you, and you've got to understand it's gone. He who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed, not just partially, completely free. You were set free from your past. Jesus doesn't see your past when he sees you. He sees you as the beautiful son or daughter that you are to him. He doesn't look at your scars. He doesn't look at your past. He doesn't look at your bad decisions. He looks at the fact that you gave your life to him, and that means the world to him, the fact that you came home. And this guy begs to go with him. Not very often that somebody begged to go Jesus when he said no. Jesus did not let him, but he said this. Go home to your family, as a family, and you tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell the people in the Decapolis or these 10 cities how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because they knew this guy. They knew him. They're like, this guy is different. And I will tell you something that you cannot argue with a changed life. You can't. That's why we renamed our church because I want people to drive by this place to see not just another church name, but a, but a name that means something. That lives can be changed by the power of God. We need to know that. And this guy, there's what happens. He goes on to be a powerful evangelist in the Decapolis. And Jesus, this is the significance of this, Jesus in chapter seven would come back to the Decapolis. Okay, and this guy had already did the advertising campaign with his life and his testimony. He laid the groundwork. So when Jesus showed up, everybody knew this is the guy that made the difference in, we'll call him Crazy Stan, because if I name somebody else, somebody will leave the church. Uh, in Crazy Stan's life. Remember, my name is only one A away from Satan. I have many times went S-A-T-A-N. No, that's not my name. It's S-T-A-N. I think about this. And then somebody also pointed out it's also one A away from Santa. So there you go. All right. <laughs> Pastor Satan, Pastor Stan, just, just call me Stan. Isn't that amazing? Unexpected destinations. This guy never saw the tombs coming, but he also never saw what Jesus had for him. That one man made a difference in thousands of people's lives, most likely. Goes through 10 cities, not preaching. It's not like Jonah. Hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. What this guy was, was like, you knew me. You knew I was messed up, and look what this guy named Jesus did. He changed my life. And people are going, yeah, that's significant. That's significant. Some of us think evangelism is hard. Some of us think evangelism, we just have to go out and preach. Everybody's going to go to hell if you don't give your life. And that's not it. You know what evangelism is? Evangelism said, this is where I was, and this is what Jesus did for me. Take it or leave it. How, whatever you do with it is up to you. But this is what God did in my life. Unexpected destinations. Isn't that so amazing that Jesus left crowds of people to minister to one man who would have his life completely radically changed by the power of God and go on to witness to countless people. If God can use a guy like that, he can use a person like you. Amen? What, how, how are we doing with the compassion, okay? See, it's not where you start. It's how you finish that matters. It's not how you start, it's not where you start, it's how you finish that matters. Jesus took time for that one. So God can take your unexpected destinations and make something great if you just let him, if you just let him. 
Where are you at today? Where is your walk with God today? Are you pursuing him? Are you confused? If you're pursuing God and you're confused, guess what? You're gonna get some answers soon. God's gonna say, okay, no, I'm taking you through some stuff. You're gonna go through some things and I'm not even gonna tell you why. But I have a plan for you and you keep rowing toward that shore, the plan is gonna come about. So if you're confused now, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving people. Keep praying. Keep seeking God and you will see something good out of it. If you're going the wrong direction, I would tell you, first of all, stop. Stop, take the exit ramp, get off that highway. Get off that highway. Take the exit ramp. Say, okay, God, I'm gonna change directions. Run to Jesus, not away from him. There's two things I want us to do with this message. Number one, see yourself as Jesus sees you. Okay, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for willingness. If he was looking for perfection and somebody who had it all together, he wouldn't have gone to this dude. Right, this is not the guy Jesus would have picked. But Jesus saw, again, Beyond the mess, he saw the man. He saw the potential. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful story. Beautiful story on the redemption of of what Christ is is looking for us. It's just a willingness. Number two, I'm gonna ask us. Hey, number one, you see see yourself as Jesus sees you. You're clean. Okay, you asked him into your life. You're clean. You're forgiven. Now we gotta work on some things. Number two is see the man behind the mess. It means look beyond the appearance or behaviors and see a person. We see a lot of craziness going on in the world today. What I'm gonna ask us to do is, is not look at the symptoms necessarily, but look at the problem. Because people that are acting crazy, there's a deeper problem. There's, there's something that's going on in their life. There's fear, there's whatever it is. And help us not just focus on the symptom, but on the person themselves. Okay, what is causing this behavior? What is causing them to act out? You might have a child that's like that, that maybe they're just acting out all the time. You need to find out not okay, why are they doing, or what are they doing, but why are they doing it? What's the reason? Now, I had, as a kid, I had no reason. I had loving parents. I wasn't trying to get their attention. I was just flat out ornery. I had great parents, still have great parents. They gave me all the attention I needed. I wasn't trying to do stuff. Sometimes you just have that child that's strong-willed. They just do crazy stuff, right? Just try to channel it as best as you can. But if there's some things going on in your kid's life or in your spouse and their, their behavior's a little different, Try to find out the why, okay? Look, look beyond the mess and try to see the person of what's causing them to do what they're doing and maybe you can help with that, all right? See people as the people that Jesus died for, okay? Maybe you had an earthly father and you never measured up, okay? A lot of times people will look at God as they do their earthly father and make a comparison. And I will tell you something, your earthly father was not God, Imperfect. They could have been loving, but they could have been also didn't believe in you, just not there for you. I want you to, to scrap that whole thought and to say, okay, if God could love a guy like this, he can love a person like me. Man, see your value. You gotta see your value. See a crumpled $20 bill or a crisp $20 bill, which one's worth more? Neither, they're worth the same. Why? Because that's what our US government says it's worth. Well, you were created by God and your value is based on what he says you're worth, not what somebody else told you. Isn't that important? That God says you're valuable. So I hope this changes how we live. Okay, number one, make good choices. Okay, and how we treat other people to see beyond the symptoms and the sin and into the person. Um, It does not mean we accept sin. Okay, you all know me. I'm gonna call sin for what it is. The Bible's 100% God's word. And if it says this is sin, I'm gonna call it a sin. It, it, It is what it is. I'm not gonna water it down to fit a lifestyle you might want to live. It's not what I'm called to do. But I am called to love people. Amen. 
And God has called us to love people. And as a church, we're gonna make a huge difference in our community. There's people that drive by here every day that are lost and hurting and broken. And we pray that God, if this is where they want them to be, this particular church family, that God would draw them in. And we've had countless people, haven't we, Pastor John, tell us, I drove by and I felt something. That's because we specifically pray, God, just draw them in. If they're supposed to be here, you would draw them in. We pray for our churches in our area that are preaching the gospel. Um, I know many of the pastors, good, good men. There's a lot of good church families in our area. I want to see them all grow. I want to see people get plugged in because there's different flavors of church, right? As long as you're serving food that's not killing you, (laughs) I'm all for it. We have different restaurants for different types of people. As long as we're preaching Jesus and the gospel, that's what really matters to me. We've got a great team of pastors in our area. I'm glad to be a part of it. Now, let's close with this. If you bow your heads with me, most important question you can ever answer in your life is, is whether or not you've accepted Jesus as your savior. And if today you have not ever made that decision, and I don't, I don't really care if you grew up in church, but if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that when you die, hell will be your eternity. And that's the whole reason Jesus came was so that we didn't have to go there, but we have to choose to leave a life of sin and leave our sins and give it to Jesus and serve him. And if you've never made that decision, you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, and that's something that you want to do today, okay, I'm not gonna pressure you because that's not my job. All my job is to do is present it to you. If, you. if you need to ask Jesus to be your savior, between me and you and God, you just raise your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna embarrass you or point you out, but I do wanna pray with you. Does anybody need to make that decision today? Anybody at all? Don't leave this place, okay, undecided, because that is not a good place to be, because when you undecide, it is a decision. Okay, all right, I don't see any hands. Okay, because we're online, there might be some people online that don't know how to do this. It's a simple prayer, something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Okay, it's that simple to give your life to Christ. Amen. Some of you are going through some stuff right now. I wanna pray for you. Um, If I asked you to raise your hand, you would. And Jesus, I just pray for those right now. Lord, as a friend, as their pastor, um, as a shepherd of this great flock, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would give them comfort right now to know that what they're facing, Lord, there's a purpose behind it, there's a reason, and they're gonna come out on the other end. They may not understand it, but I pray, Lord, and that your word does say that, that we have a peace that passes all understanding. And let them just keep going. For those who are in, in a period of rest right now, just let them rest well. Let them just enjoy life to know that the next assignment is gonna come up and they're gonna get back into it, fulfill that call that you put on their lives. And we love you, give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're gonna close with a quick song. And uh, if you would stand up, if I quit a little bit too early, I preached early again, is that cool? Three Sundays in a row. Don't get used to it, all right? I'm gonna go long next week. Probably not.